Hello and welcome to our new podcast. My name is Charlie and my co-host, whose voice you will hear shortly, is Mark. Amongst other things, we are both what you might call cineasts, cinephiles, or nerds, depending on your own terminology. In this podcast, we'll be talking about movies, but we won't be looking at the big picture. Instead, we're going to be focusing on very specific scenes or moments from the movies we love. We'll take it in turns each week to select a movie scene or moment, and we'll talk about it in terms of the structure of the scene itself, what it means in the context of the movie, and also what it means to us personally. Sometimes, as with this week, the scenes will be iconic, but other weeks we might choose something more personal to us. We won't be revealing the film in the title of the podcast or in the introduction each week, so see if you can guess the movie we'll be talking about from the description that we give. So without further ado, please enjoy episode one. What about you, bruh? What about me? Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Dreamy G Lie, you boy. They mostly come at night. Mostly. The first episode of our uh, movie moment chat, uh, Mark, is is going to be your your movie. Um, and I must say that uh, when we first came up with the idea of doing a podcast together where we talked about movies, you very quickly, off the mark, bagsied this one, mm. <laughs> knowing that it might be one that, that, that I might want to talk about as well. Yes. But actually, the, the, the moment that you've, you've chosen is possibly, uh, on reflection, better than the one I would have chosen from the same movie. So maybe we can talk a bit about that later. But um, what we've decided to do is to start these podcasts with a sort of uh, a describe it as you see it description. Um, so no character names, don't mention the movie title, and just describe the scene or sequence or moment, um, uh, you know, as if you're just describing what happens on screen without any context whatsoever first. Um, and, you know, listeners might be able to sort of see if they can guess the movie before we actually elaborate a little bit. So say what you see, no character names, don't mention the movie title, what, what actually happens in this very short little clip okay. that you've chosen. So... Uh, a man in a wide-brimmed hat and sunglasses sits in the back of a stationary vehicle. Something big attracts his attention. Uh, he takes off his hat and he stands in the vehicle for a better view. He takes off his sunglasses. In the front seat of the vehicle, a woman in sunglasses is examining a large leaf. A hand reaches down from above her and turns her head. She now sees the something big. Her jaw drops. She removes her sunglasses and stands in the vehicle for a better view. The something big is revealed. Alan, this species of veriformin has been extinct since the Cretaceous period. I mean, this thing is a hunt this thing. Why?
<laughs> and what, Mark, is the something big for anyone who hasn't guessed the movie yet? It's a dinosaur. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. uh, amazing. It is a uh, Brachiosaurus. Is it a Brachiosaurus? I, my d- Jurassic Park knowledge has suddenly slipped. I think all dinosaur knowledge is removed from a young a young man's brain aged about 15. I always I, I must admit as much as I adore this film and and I know it's it's certainly in both our top fives or whatever. Mm. Um I, I, I can't remember from my childhood whether it's a Brachiosaurus or a Diplodocus that all we're, I we're know, looking at. <laughs> all I know is that it's a Vegisaurus. It's yes, a Vegisaurus. And that's yes. all you need to know at that stage. Um so uh so how would you change that description of this moment if you were talking to someone like me who's clearly seen that film uh, hundreds of times and you just want to mention the moment? How would the sure, description so, go in, in an old sort of shot for shot so thing? This is, this is the first time proper we see uh, a fully grown dinosaur kind of in the wild. It's, it's the... It's the moment where all of these characters that have uh, previously kind of spoken slightly archly about, oh, we're going to be out of a job, uh, or oh, you're this this science is crazy. This is the first time they are met with the physical experience of this enormous thing in front of them. It's it's the it's their game changing moment where it goes from being science fiction to in their in their case science science future <laughs> i was trying to think if it's the first time in the movie that we actually um sort of see a dinosaur and I, and, and the, the scene before that that stands out is the the opening yeah the prologue mm. and actually we don't see any velociraptor at all at that stage it's all it's all hinted on isn't it yeah. it's all um just sort of noises and movements and arms being pulled into cages and things like that yeah. we don't see anything so so as an audience it's the first time we've we've seen that as well what i love about it is it's like it's this brilliant sense of majesty it's you know we've had a little taste of the of the horror but having this opportunity to experience the film not as a disaster movie uh, which mm. ultimately it, it is it's it's the towering inferno with dinosaurs, <laughs> but with dinosaurs, but but really for giving the giving me an experience of you know really palpable uh, excitement at the prospect of 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 the film and the story. Do you know the time timestamp on it? Do you know how far into the movie we are when that happens? No, it's about twenty minutes in, and interestingly. Uh, I then checked on 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 the sequence that I thought was about maybe half an hour in, which was the sort of um, T Rex sequence, the yeah. big horror, the big first sort of horror sequence. That's not until about an hour into. I was going to say that's 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 <laughs> that halfway through, isn't it? Yeah, so you get a lot of this awe and amazement and wonder before you get to the real sort of monster horror, which I think is is is, is obviously a strength. The humans are the real monsters. <laughs> Indeed. Can you kind of remember on any level what that made you feel the first time that you saw the film? What was that? What was, the, I, what was it about? I can, that because I get a version of it every time. 
I mm. see the film. This is something, and the reason why I picked it is this is this is a moment that has uh, an almost identical uh, effect on me every time I watch it. Uh, it, I was so overwhelmed, and there's a lot of context around it. I'll talk about that later, but the the real magic of that movie as communicated by these two characters that were for me at the time the coolest two people on the planet <laughs> you know uh yeah Al- alan and elliot were heroic by that point uh yeah in in only 20 minutes i loved them they were family uh and how how wonderful that you use the word heroic and you're talking about two scientists like that's that in itself is cool. Mm. I mean, as a, as a mathematician myself, like any time that you're, I hear someone <laughs> talking about someone being a hero and they're not wearing a cape, they're like scientists who, who <laughs> you know, dig up bones and like you like you described, they're looking at a leaf at the time, yeah. <laughs> nerding out of relief. There's a pre moment that again, I I have strong feelings about this whole film, but I also recall connecting really strongly to. Uh, when uh, Attenborough first goes to to meet Sam Neill's character and uh, just before his helicopter arrives, Sam Neill is doing some uh, technology on the Fritz piece of new archaeology where they're doing like a laser scan or a sonar scan of the ground and he mm. describes the Velociraptor as um, a, a child describes it as like a giant turkey and uh yeah and he starts to just describe this exciting thing like the setup of that moment where i am that kid uh but also i hate that kid <laughs> uh yeah. because he's being disrespectful of this thing that i walked into that film feeling so connected to and i was reading the book at the same time and yeah there was a whole bunch of stuff that made me think that this guy was the coolest guy in the world and that um and that, uh, yeah, I think I was a little bit in love with Laura Dern. I think I'm a little bit in love <laughs> with Laura Dern. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I guess you sort of partly already answered this, but um, I was going to say sort of how does it how does it differ to the way it makes you feel now? It's obviously a film that you... Well, I, I, I know that it's a film that you've seen many, 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 many times. I think you described it to me as one that, like, you could probably name every single scene in the film. Like, how has that evolved in terms of that specific sequence, that awe that you felt um, when you first saw it? Has that lessened in any way, or, or have you, you gained more from it? The place that the, that the awe lives... Um, you know, there's no surprise in this film for me anymore, but I don't have uh, a control over this feeling I get that hits me in my stomach whenever, and thank you, John Williams, for being John Williams, whenever the the build-up starts, as soon as we hit that reveal and the score kicks in, uh, like roller coaster gut straight up every time watching it watching it in 30 seconds in isolation of the film i still get that 
Uh, yeah, I, I th- and I think I think that's what we 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 we're, we're hoping to discover really a little bit with this podcast are those sequences that that work in isolation in a way, and and actually you know it's almost impossible to talk about a, a scene with, from a film without the context of film, but actually you've 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 landed on one that you know I think the runtime is some somewhere between thirty seconds and a minute if you're mm. taking it from the moment that Alan sees the the dinosaur to the moment that we see the dinosaur yeah. as the audience and the, and the John Williams score kind of kicks in. Um, I think it's about coming up to about a minute. And I think that, you know, I've, I've watched that clip in complete isolation and it's had the same emotional impact on me that you've described as it having yeah. on you, um, you know, even, even without the context of film, which is quite amazing, but I actually genuinely believe, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it, that um, the star of that scene isn't on on screen and that's John Williams. Like, mm. I think there's something incredible about that, that, that kind of that score and, and, and the way it sort of runs all the way through, but just the way it kicks in, I think almost exactly the moment that the, 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 the foot of the dinosaur, you see it. And then that, you know, you sang it at the beginning when you, when you said the word <laughs> dinosaur, that beat comes in and it's just like, the, the majesty is there. But the build of, is there as or, well. If you if if you go to that to that clip, um, mm. almost invisibly, because John Williams scores, everyone knows the kind of the the anthems, the big themes. Mm. Uh, what he does brilliantly all the time is that without even noticing this, that's 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 just creeping in as 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 their awareness is building um and also just it's lovely that it's it's not a it's not a surprise in the way that it's not it's not something jumping out on you or you know sam neil seeing a dinosaur and going oh my god it's a dinosaur there's this blooming of what the hell is happening here that lives in not seeing the dinosaur but experiencing this and then that that kind of blossoming into you know not the most uh orchestrated moment of the score in the film actually quite a gentle quite a gentle version of that theme that Mm. it's just so satisfying it does that thing. I think you described earlier of um, we know by that point that that, that there's dinosaurs on this yeah. island. You know, we we we've seen the prologue. We've also, you know, first time I saw Jurassic Park. I mean, I, I had I had every single bit of like um, merchandise that was available before I even walked in the cinema. Mm. So I know that I'm going to see dinosaurs, and yet because we are because the characters are experiencing it for the first time we are and actually you know i think you mentioned that that feeling that you get every time you watch it i get that as well it's almost like it's the first time i've seen a dinosaur (laughs) every time i see the look on on their their two faces um it's 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 pretty powerful in that respect um maybe being too revealing for 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 podcast number one Mm. (laughs) but um something i've never told you is actually i had an interesting experience with the john williams score where i went i'm not a massive classic music classical music kind of listen to her i'm not someone who often goes to to concerts and things like that but i went to a a john williams one um because of my movie nerdy nerdy ship Mm. uh and um it took me by surprise. So this is a couple of years ago with my sister. 
and it took me by surprise when the um, Jurassic Park theme was played um, and I knew it was coming. I saw it on the program. I was excited about it, looking forward to it. Like I just burst into tears. Oh yeah, no, me too. I watched, I watched the, I watched them screen it at the Albert Hall with an orchestra and uh, yeah, broke me into pieces. Um, so, I mean, we've spoken about this a little bit in a way, but I guess pulling away from the sort of emotion part a little bit um, and, and looking at what is actually going on, 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 the, on in terms of the making of that scene. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the score. Yeah. But what else is, you know, Spielberg and co doing that has, has, has created such a ge- moment of genius? So you know? one of my favourite things about it is uh, the driver of the Jeep. That they're in. <laughs> oh, really? Now this is I've a never... this is if you watch this, this is a guy who drives a jeep around an island full of dinosaurs, and he is cool as a cucumber. And so there's <laughs> this brilliant kind of contrast between these two people whose worlds perspective, you know, their 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 worldview has completely shifted, and this guy is just driving them around, and it's it's just a really fun detail uh you know a piece of character subtlety and filmmaking subtlety that says um like we under we understand what this moment's about we're not we're not going for an effect we just know the effect will be Mm. there uh because we're doing it right uh there's there's so many things i love about it i love the the, the 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 aggressive turn of Laura Dern's head, where just this hand comes in and, and turns it around, and it's and it's like it's the only it's the only way to take her away from the last thing that was the most interesting thing in her life, like yeah, as as the botanist, this leaf is now her you know the biggest thing she's ever experienced. This leaf yeah, was extinct. And in her frame of reference, that's all I want to think about now. And Sam Neill, Alan Grant knows there's something bigger. And so yeah. and, uh, and, and also and also something bigger that 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 both in terms of like keeping the kind of coolness of the scene, but also keeping the kind of like awe of Alan Grant. He couldn't say something. He couldn't say yeah. Uh, there's a dinosaur yeah. there because <laughs> he just doesn't have those words. No, like, you, he, see actually, it, think... you see it in his hands when he's take when he takes his sunglasses off. Like the way he yeah. handles his sunglasses uh, has this kind of adorable, and they add to it like there's a little tuft of hair that's sticking out. <laughs> like his childlikeness, where he's clumsy mm. and awkward, uh, and he's got his little neckerchief on. <laughs> is you know they do this incredible job of turning this grumpy old man into into a into a child but also a child that's scared and then do almost exactly the same thing with Laura Dern's character where she's there and she's so excited about this thing in her hand and then we're just going to do exactly the same thing it's the same standing up it's the same sunglasses but it's not a repeat it's a it's a build uh and then there's a massive dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really clocked the, the, the driver before, but as you said it, my brain goes to how, how that, the indifference of the driver 
to the dinosaurs yeah. that are his job now yeah. and have been for quite some time. That That is, when you go forward, you know, to Jurassic World um, many, many, many years mm. later, both in terms of, you know, the setting and also, you know, when it was made, you've got, that is the basis of Jurassic World is the fact that people are bored of dinosaurs now. The whole <laughs> plot is on the basis that people have been going to the theme park so long that they're not they're not impressed by it anymore. And that that's that's the the Jeep driver who's yeah. who's it's, been it's driving like, around Jurassic Park for a while. He doesn't he doesn't look bored. It's almost <laughs> it's almost it's just it's a slight smug tang, a little entitledness <laughs> that, that goes, yeah, yeah. Seeing it for the first time is cool. Been there, done that. <laughs> He's got this little smirk on him. It's lovely. Yeah. I think I've done that myself when I visit uh, sort of holiday cottages with friends yeah. and you're the first to arrive and you get all super excited and looking around. Yeah. And by the time they arrive, you're just sitting there, drink a cup of tea, going, go and have a little yeah. look around. When you, you know, know <laughs> when you know you're introducing someone to something cool. Like I've, I've had it yeah. when I've, when I've, uh, you know, when I've introduced people to films that I've loved or uh, when someone goes to see a show that I've seen and comes mm. back and desperately wants to talk about it, that part of you that's like, yeah, I I know it was cool. <laughs> you feel as an audience the way that the characters are feeling at that time mm. often. And I think, I think, you know, you see you're feeling in awe before you see the dinosaur because you're you've seen these two characters in awe and like you said jaw drops looking upwards and i feel myself already yeah. before the dinosaur reveal going this yeah. is amazing yeah. i haven't seen it yet but it's amazing and it's the same with like you know what's the best way to get, yeah. make someone scared in a horror and 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 that's to show not to show the monster, but to show yeah. the person being scared of the monster. But that's why I love uh, that this reveal is so gentle. Mm. That's why I love that this is this is uh, such a handheld moment, such a a a, a carrying of the audience, mm. because because at the end of the day, you know, we're not supposed to be, and it's where some of the some of the latter Jurassic parks kind of fell down was I don't think we're ever supposed to look at the T-Rex and go, this is a villain. I don't think we're ever supposed to look at the raptors even and go, uh, they're the baddies. And I mean, they're amazing baddies as far as this film goes, but that's not the narrative of the film. So we have to have that kind of sense of wonder first so that we're not going, well, T-Rexes are horrible. And I think if you, if you end up, if you end up experiencing, uh, well, number three, <laughs> uh, you don't, uh, you don't necessarily get that sense of, they're not geared towards you feeling for the dinosaurs. And, I, and, I, and I don't know if they ever capture it. The thing, I think the thing that changes, and we're going away from this, the scene itself a bit, but but I think the thing that changes for me on second watching of Jurassic Park is is the 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 T Rex moving from being the, the the villain to the hero because yeah. because he, he's the hero at the end, he's yeah. the he's the final savior, um, and um, one of the things I love love and, and actually you know 
I think my knee jerk reaction had we had we said, Charlie, you choose you choose uh, Jurassic Park scene to talk about. I may have talked about the uh, torch being shone in the eye of T Rex in the car yeah. sequence, which I think in some ways is 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 weirdly more iconic because it's it's the it's the horror moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's something about that as well. That it's just like the character arc of the T-Rex from the monster to the hero is, yeah. is amazing. But um, yeah, we're going wildly away from, from the sequence <laughs> which we're talking about. And I, and I guess it kind of moves on to, to, to the last question I want to ask you, which is um, maybe slightly more abstract, but we bring ourselves to films mm. when we watch them. Um, and, uh, you know, some, somebody else who's had a different, you know, set of experiences to you would not have the same emotional reactions Mm. to that, that sequence as you've had. Um, so I think it's just something interesting to explore with each of the clips we look at, like, what are you bringing of you to that scene that makes it like the one that you wanted to pick to talk about today? Uh, so there's, there is kind of very specific circumstances around how I first experienced the film and the moment I, uh, you know, I was 12 years old. So I was the, uh, I would probably consider it the perfect age to watch that film for the first time. If you are Lexi's age, you're, you're probably the perfect age. Um, yeah. I think I might have been Tim's age. Mm. Although actually, was it a PG or 12? I, I definitely saw it in the cinema, so maybe I wasn't Tim's age, I don't know. Uh, but I I watched it when my parents had gone away for a holiday. And okay. I was never a pocket money kid. We never, you know, if we, we never had control of our own cash as as kids. And when they went on holiday, they basically gave my nan, who we were all staying with, uh, you know, a chunk of a chunk of money that was recreational. Uh, so it was for the first time in my life I had what I would consider disposable income <laughs> that I could choose what I did with it. And my nan that we were staying with, she lived in just outside the town centre. So the opportunity to, as a as a twelve year old, go into the town centre with a £10 note, buy the Jurassic Park book because I wanted to, buy a ticket to see it in the cinema because I wanted to, and then sit in the cinema on my own and watch this movie. Uh, I felt so empowered by the whole experience that that like nothing would be able to break that for me. It was like the most choices I'd ever made for myself up until that point. Uh, at the same time, I was obsessed with how realistic the book felt and how it tried to engage me with the 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 possibility of it so the suspension of disbelief required to engage with this film for me was at its thinnest for a film about genetically engineered dinosaurs i didn't have to imagine the possibility of it because I was reading this book, I believed that this was something someone could go away and do. And mm. so everything about that wonder came from the fact that I was living in a world where, as far as I was concerned, we were, you know, 30 seconds away from that actually being a thing that could happen. 
And that was so yeah. exciting. You know, the I don't know if you've read the book, but half of the book is uh, random gibberish about chaos theory from the perspective of Jeff Goldblum's character. And then a whole yeah. bunch of stuff uh, from the geneticist point of view, you know, so it felt like it felt like science, not science fiction. Um, so I was feeling empowered. I was feeling like I didn't need to stretch my imagination. It was just laid out for me. Uh, and I was, I was at the perfect age that at that point, I could tell you the name of every dinosaur. I don't know if I thought that it was cool to be able to tell you the name of every dinosaur, but I still could. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it all came at the right time. It and 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 uh, and and I've never never lost that feeling. Like it always makes mm. me feel uh, empowered. And and you know what's really wonderful about all that is that I'm now my nephew um, who is now uh, recently turned four is is big into dinosaurs, obviously. Mm. Um, and and it's allowed me to just essentially um, spend every one of his birthdays and Christmases and events so far just buying him dinosaur stuff. And he he has enough books now that he can name all the dinosaurs, yeah. and he's got a poster up in his room and all that sort of stuff. And like, I think I think Jurassic Park never left me mm. in terms of how how awesome I found it. But it's almost kind of had a renaissance when you see you know, what you just described, you're a bit obviously older than my nephew, but when you see someone within your family uh, kind of going through that that, that, yeah. that exploration phase and, and like, I think right at the top of this, you know, bringing it back to the actual, not the film, but the actual scene that we're talking about, you know, that, like you said, in terms of the, 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 the importance of that moment within the context of the film, it is, it is, us as as young kids it's it's uh you know alan and alan kind of for 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 this first time in their entire life of devoting it to to digging up dinosaurs yeah. suddenly having one in front of them yeah. and like i th i think you bring you bring how into dinosaurs you yeah. are at the age that you see it to the moment that that reveal happens within the film, you just go, wow. But also <laughs> I, you know, I think I really connected with this sense of paradigm shift of mm. the, the world just changed because I was, mm. I was, I was in the middle of that myself uh, mm. with this newfound freedom, with this, you know, being able to control my own destiny, even if only for a fortnight while my mum and dad were at Disney World. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, last, last, uh, last question before we wrap up. Uh, is there anything from, going back to the sequence itself, is there anything that um, stands out for you either emotionally or in terms of what's going on that my questions haven't allowed you to talk about? I think I've, I think I've rambled on, but I, what I, what I would say is like, that is a moment that encapsulates a whole bunch of how I feel about Jurassic Park. Uh, mm -hmm. That's it in pill form and is, and is itself kind of separate from how I experience the story. But whenever I'm watching it, that, that is the moment 
when I'm transported not to the world of the film, but to the world of me as a 12 year old, uh, each time and every time. And I think that there's some kind of magic trick that has happened there between me and where I was at and Steven Spielberg and where he was at and everyone involved in the making of that film. There's some kind of alchemy that has, that has created a little piece of gold there. Thank you so much for listening to episode one. We'll be back next week where the tables will turn and we'll be discussing a movie scene selected by myself. Until then, never forget to say the magic word. When we get to the point where we are uh, reviewing the moment in Jurassic Park 3 where Alan hallucinates a talking velociraptor, uh, then the podcast has to end. (laughs) 